Who is a mature Christian? Is maturity marked by how many times we attend church? How much money we give to the poor or to missions? Hi, my name is David Dennis, and I'm so glad you joined us today for this podcast on the question of what is the mark of a mature Christian. Is maturity marked by whether we have a quiet time every day or how many verses we've memorized? All these things are very good to do, don't get me wrong. They may go along with maturity, but are not really the mark of maturity. Paul, in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, says, quote, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. End quote. According to the Apostle Paul in these verses, the real mark of maturity for a Christian is love. That is the apex, the peak, the perfect bond of unity. I'm struck by the fact that these characteristics that Paul admonishes believers to put on are often the exact opposite of what our culture elevates. Looking back at verse 12, we are to put on tender mercies. The world often says, get all you can in life, look out for number one. However, in Jesus, we are to put on tender mercies, truly caring for others, maybe cutting them some slack, giving them mercy in an attitude of love. You know, it's really easy to judge others, isn't it? I was dropping off some tree limbs and yard debris recently at the landfill. Next to me was an elderly husband and wife. She was out of the truck and yelling at her husband, Can't you back up closer and get over here? He was clearly having difficulty backing up the trailer. My first thought was one of almost anger at the lady. Uh, I felt like, boy, she needs to give that guy some slack. Cut the guy a break. It's uh, not easy to back up a trailer in just the right place. Uh, so I said to her, you know, it's, it's tricky to back something like that up. She then told me that her husband had dementia. Well, that put things in a different light for me. I don't know, perhaps she was tired of always being the strong one or always making the decisions or always helping him do things. Rather than her having an attitude of condemnation, she was perhaps exhibiting an attitude of fatigue or being at the end of her rope. So in turn, my attitude changed from being condemning or judgmental toward her to one of giving her tender mercies. Secondly, Paul tells us to put on kindness. Again, this is often not what the world says is the goal. The world may say, fight to be on top no matter who it hurts. Humility is the next word. Who wants to be humble? We want our way, our voice to be heard, don't we? I may want to come across as being humble, but I really don't want to be humble, if you know what I mean. What is meekness? Who do you think of as a meek person? We commonly associate meekness with weakness, don't we? Is meekness even a positive character trait today? 
Probably not. I was watching an old Gunsmoke episode the other day, and good old Matt Dillon was always a cool, calm, wise man, yet he was portrayed as being strong, capable, in control, able to handle things. So that earthly example is rather limited, of course. Um, The truly meek man was the Lord Jesus. To be truly meek requires great strength of character. Jesus is our model in this, isn't he? He's our guide. First Peter two twenty through twenty three says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus could have reviled in return. He could have threatened, but instead he committed himself to his Father, who will judge righteously. We are to be imitators of Christ and be meek in that regard. Paul then tells us to be long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You know, it's not clear who first said this, but I've often thought how true it is. Quote, to dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story, end quote. I don't know if you've been on any church leadership teams, but being on a a church leadership team is certainly an eye-opening experience. I once thought that Christians were always pleasant, forgiving, selfless, loving each other. I soon found out that is not the case. I recall an experience many years ago when a church leader who was a paid staff person demanded additional money upon their departure. On another occasion, I recall very, very, very angry words being spoken from one of the congregants to the pastor. The person had felt that they had been falsely accused of some action. Well, as believers, we are to bear with one another, to forgive one another, and to treat others as Christ has treated us, with love, forgiveness, and mercy. When we do all this in love, we experience that bond of perfection, or the bond of maturity. Love is above all, as 1 Corinthians 13.13 says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The mark of a mature believer, then, is love, true love, expressed not only in words, but in actions. How do we grow in this? Well, Colossians 3.16, the same passage, tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Only through a steady intake of God's word, letting the Holy Spirit transform our lives through his word, can we truly love and mature. It is my sincere prayer that through the daily personal intake of the Word of God, as well as sitting under godly pastors who teach the Word faithfully, and having a heart open to change, that you and I will continue to be changed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the very epitome of love. 
Join me next time as we learn more about making disciples and being disciples. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.